Welcome back to Hour 2. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Coldwell Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Yes, we are. And it was super exciting to have Angel on. She's always a hoot to talk with. Um, there's just so many opportunities with the Chamber of Commerce that it is, it is overwhelming to know what they have. And they, she is very right. If you have a question, they don't know the answer to it. They have all the connections to the one down in Adam's Friendship, along with the one that's over in Marshfield and beyond. So they will make those connections so that way your question can get answered. And Stephen's point as well. So all of our local communities, it's really cool that Central Wisconsin really works together. They really do. And it's it's a lot of fun to to see like the inner workings of, of the chamber. So definitely when you see a chamber event going on, come on out and take a look at it. And if you're with a local business and want to, you know, be curious about volunteering as an ambassador, go ahead, give them a call anyway, contact them and see words are hard today. Words are very hard. They were hard the other day. They're a little harder today. But give them a call. Go ahead, contact them about being a volunteer ambassador. And it's it's really neat. Um, so, of course, this is a pre-recorded show. And mm-hmm. right now it's Wednesday. We did... Uh, ribbon cutting today. Yes, we did. Over on Third Street, it's with clinical services. Yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. So that that's another um, another great local business that has some lengthy roots. Um, they started working as Compass Counseling, and that branched off into its own. And so now they're doing some dedicated counseling efforts for like alcohol anonymous sort of theory. Um, Maybe not AA, but along those same counseling lines and a lot of other counseling and clinical services as well. Excellent. Sounds good. And that's, it's pretty cool. They're over at, at the 420 building. It's like the most modern building on third street as far as architecture goes. Mm hmm. It's it's old, but the architecture is modern. And it was kind of neat. Um, a few years ago when I was driving to work every day past that building to see it, you know, over the course of 15 years or so, change hands a few times and how different people remodeled it or redecorated it. And it, it's, it's really an, an interesting building with interesting history, just like a lot of Wisconsin Rapids. Exactly. So let's get into talking about the market. All right. So like we have been kind of noticing, we were talking about the last, well, every single week we talk about the market, but we have been noticing that slight increase of homes available on the market. So as of 7.40 PM on Wednesday, the 14th, we have 24 homes in the greater Wisconsin Rapids area to take a look at, which is great. I mean, we're starting to see that increase in that upper 100,000. So between 130 and 115 is where we're starting to see that that increase. So definitely, again, you know, we always kind of stress the go start talking to your bank now. So that way, if there are some situations in with your credit that you need to get all cleaned up, it's going to take some time to do that. That way, when the spring market really does start to be more of a trickle effect, you're going to be ready for when that perfect home comes on the market. So in that 100 to 130 range about, how many houses are there? We are looking at one, two, three, four, five, six. We got six homes between that 100 and 140. That are active without any offers. That is correct. So it, we're, we're just at the beginning phases of those, getting people into those homes to look at them and potentially write offers as soon as they feel comfortable with it. Correct. So yeah, it's going to it's going to be one of those things we're going to start to see that that slow trickle on the market. We're probably going to start to see most of those homes being listed like midweek so that way they can have the later part of the week to get people into the building or into the home and then have that accepted offer by Sunday evening. So that's kind of the trend I've been seeing by looking at back at those histories of the homes that did come on the market. You know, when were they listed? If they were listed Monday, Tuesday, you know, then we had the accepted offer by Thursday. So having stuff being listed today, I think four new homes came on the market today. So I would anticipate by Sunday that those homes 
are going to possibly have an accepted offer on those. Yeah, it seems to be if the house is any sort of decent as far as quality goes and the price is any sort of reasonableness, you know, they'll they'll get a few offers and, mm-hmm. you know, accepted pretty quick. Yes. I I can tell you the uh the weekend adventures sure are uh, intense and kind of crazy. You list a house on Friday afternoon and then it's like all hell breaks loose for the weekend to get a bunch of people sh- showing the house and you know how many people can you get into the house how soon. Right. And we've we've done a really great strategy on that as far as you know we're going to list it we're going to have it go live on a Friday. We're going to do a Saturday, pretty much an all-day open house. We'll do that six-hour open house so that way we can be there to answer questions as agents are bringing buyers through because that way those questions can be answered right away and we can have an easier transition when it comes to those those offers. We don't have to be on the phone as much of answering this agent's question and then answering the question again, you know, 45 minutes later with a different agent. It's the same question, but multiple times throughout the day. So being there on site is super helpful for our sellers. So that way we can get questions answered right away. One of the things that I enjoy that we do is we kind of pre-plan for some of those questions and we'll we'll kind of pre-stage the questions to the seller in the first place that we would commonly think of would come up. Um, and even things more advanced, like what are the costs for uh, electricity and utilities and that type of thing. Um, But also if we notice something unique about the house, we would question about that first so that we would have the answer when other people do question us about it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it comes down to, you know, the age of the roof. Everyone's going to be asking that question for the insurance. Insurance companies always like to know the age of the roof. So we always try to grab that information ahead of time so that way it's there so that way that new potential buyer has all of that information. So when they do get an accepted offer, they can just take our information and go right to their insurance company. And all the insurance company's questions are pretty much answered from our intake that we do. We try our best for it. We do. Um, there are some properties that have only been lived in for a couple of years, two, maybe three years. And they weren't the ones who encountered one of our many hailstorms in the past decade. Correct. So they might not know exactly, but yeah, we try to be proactive and get those questions answered ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting that we have new houses coming on the market. Yes. It doesn't feel like spring today. Okay. So it snowed today. It did. And there was probably like a half inch of snow on the ground when I left this morning. There was. So there was that to deal with this morning, but everybody seemed to be able to manage to drive correctly. It wasn't the panic attack of there's white stuff on the road. What do I do? We just ran it over and just said, we're going to work. Although I, I, you know, do have projects out in the yard. We do. So it would be nice to be outside doing projects instead of watching the snow globe being shaken in front of us. Like, haha, you had spring, but now it's back to winter. Well, we did have that, that beautiful week that we got a lot of things done. But they're projects. They're supposed to take a little bit of time. That way you can enjoy them. Exactly. So let's see. We do have numbers for the sales report for March. Okay. So statewide sales for March was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not the best that we've ever seen. So again, our, our online records go back to 2007. March of this year, statewide, 5,874. Houses were sold. Wisconsinites on the move. Right. That, that is up by uh, quite a bit. We had 4,458 in February. So about 1,400 more houses sold in March than in February. That's a good increase. It is. Um, looking back to 2007, this March was higher than last year and the year before but still pretty close. So 5,800 this year. We had 5,825 last year, so we're only up a couple. Mm-hmm. And then 2019, 5,273. So it's right in that ballpark. Now, 2008, 
2017, we're both in the 6,000. So it's, it's a comparable march. I think a lot of that has to do with the trickle over from the wintertime market mm-hmm. and how our wintertime tends to be slower anyway. And waiting for, you know, septics to thaw out and whatnot is traditionally happening this time of year. And this, this winter, we didn't really hear too many stories around the office about frozen septic systems. Now, the year before, we had a lot of frozen septic systems. This year, we really didn't have a whole lot of talk of, well, we've got to postpone closing due to a frozen septic system. So that, that tells us a lot about how mild our winter is, that we don't have those conversations. And I think we saw that well in the mild sales numbers between the last couple months here. This first quarter was, again, a really strong quarter. But it was moderate uh, compared to the you know the last three or four years, right. and I think that is a good signal for the market. You know, a lot of people on the national level are considering we might be in a housing bubble again, a big balloon that's just not sustainable, right? But at least here in Wisconsin, I, I think you know it's pretty moderate, and it looks like it's going to continue to level off and. You know, like you said, we've got more houses coming on the market like we traditionally do in the springtime. So these are all good signs. Right. And it's going to be really interesting now. We're going to be able to take, uh, we could do a March March to March comparison because March is when we got the first um, order of Safer at Home started. So it'll be nice to see what our first month of COVID from a year ago, how our numbers are comparing to the safer at, at home order that was that was already out. So it's going to be interesting to kind of watch the numbers. I don't think, I think we we did kind of talk a little bit that we did have that little bit of the lull when that first order came out. You know, everyone kind of took a step back and did a, okay, wait a minute. And then when we got our safe guidelines to follow for showing homes, we all kind of did the slow walking back into the water. And I think we're all now just in the water and we're, we're going full full bore on making sure people can move and get into new homes. So looking back at last year, the numbers for April, May, and June are kind of telling for what happened, you know, in the February and March. Right. Yeah, those those first three three months. We're we're always about forty five days beyond. So April of last year was right at about six thousand closings. Okay. And that's statewide. Statewide. The May number was 6,600, which is significantly lower than the 8,600, 8,200, 8,500, 8,000, 8,000 that we had the previous years. Mm -hmm. So uh, May is traditionally a pretty darn good month for closings. Yes, it is. But like you said, last year, the trickle over from a month and a half before when we had the first day at home orders. However, last year we saw back June and July were again equally as strong as they were the previous three years, and and numbers almost match for that. Uh, the one month, like the highest sales month that we've had on this entire chart, was June of 2017, with 10,400 homes sold. Oh wow! That was crazy. Yes. Yes, it was. And that was before everyone really considered the market to be so hot and wild, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, we we should be interesting the next three or four months to compare against last year. I think we're going to see back into our our normal numbers. So uh, again, for, you know, April is probably going to finish just as strong in about the 6,000 homes sold in the state and probably about 75, 8,000, I would think, for... Uh, May as well coming up behind it. It's just speculative, but I'm thinking we'll trend out that way. Right. And, you know, interest rates are still low, which is great. You know, we like to see those those low low numbers for interest rates. And as long as that trend continues, we're going to see more people go, okay, I want to upgrade. I definitely want to get into something else. I want to upgrade, but still not have that payment affect my monthly budget. Right. Uh, another number we look at is the median home price sold. So in March, we had, again, another strong, another very high numbered month, 229900 
and again, that's across the state of Wisconsin. So that's not locally mm-hmm. here in the greater Wisconsin Rapids area. That's statewide. So this was the highest median price that we've seen overall in March. And uh, just a quick look, probably about the fifth highest that we've seen overall. So the those median home price numbers are still increasing, but they're not jumping up huge, you know, in increments like someone, some of the economists would say could predict a, you know, housing bubble that's about to burst. So uh, again, increases, the housing market pretty much always increases in, in pricing, but seeing that it's slow and stable, you know, a nice upward trend of just a few percent instead of going crazy with like 50 and 60% increases. Mm-hmm. So these are all good things. It is. It is very good things. So we're excited to see that. Now I can zoom in to Wood County. Okay. Because that's always fun. So I got to go into our central region and Wood County. It's populating the numbers right now. It's kind of like one of these game shows, you know, you want to see the Powerball numbers. So March homes sold in Wood County, 51. That's not bad. It's not too bad. February was 50. January was 67. So for this first quarter, we're, we're pretty much right on trend. Um, compared to last year, 56 homes were sold in March. So we're pretty even, about five sales different. Mm-hmm. The year before that, March was 45. Before that was 67. Before that was 83. So again, that indicator that 2017 was a very, very strong year and really the beginning of this whole house craze that we had seen. Um, And Wood County had fared pretty stable in 2020, even, you know, last year, 2020, with the April, May, and June numbers, um, they weren't very much askew from the years prior. Very true. I think that's one of the great things about central Wisconsin is that it's pretty stable. Uh, We've got a good stable economy. The businesses are creative enough to keep stability with their employees. You know, they really pivoted easily to keep the businesses going and how to comply with, you know, this pandemic that could be rolling around pretty heavy because at that time last year, we didn't know just what we were dealing with. The median price, Wood County in March, 132000 So even though we sold about the same amount of houses as last month, so in February, February median price was 135500 Okay. March was 132. So we're starting to see more of the, I guess you call them economy priced houses coming onto the market. Like you said, our, our popular price range is 100 to 130, at least in our neck of the woods. It is. And it's, and those are the, the starter homes. So we're still seeing some starter homes that are going to be in that, that seventy five eighty thousand dollars but they're going to be the ones that are going to need a little bit of love to it. So maybe, you know, new, new carpeting, new painting, that sort of thing are and once we get to that hundred thousand, we're looking more at those items were already finished and they're onto the kitchen needs to be an updated. The bathrooms need to be updated. So depending upon how those, those homes are looking of what previous projects have been done and what projects need to get done for that next phase of the home life. And we've been seeing that uh, with the houses that are coming onto the market here recently, where they were built in the 60s or 70s, perhaps, and they had been gone through in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, and did kind of a pseudo rehab. And now it's to the point of they're still very livable, but the flooring is at the end of its life. Mm -hmm. And the appliances that are there are at the end of their service life. So getting someone to really do a a good solid facelift from almost the ground up, but building on those good bones that have lasted, you know, 50, 60 years. Yes. So I I think we're seeing definitely a lot of that in that, 
you know, entry level price range. Mm -hmm. And, and we call it, you know, starter homes or entry level, but it's really because of the, the job market that we have here. I mean, we don't have a lot of fortune 500 companies where, you know, the people are bringing in $150,000 a year annual income. It's more in a, a moderate annual income that would be affording a mortgage that would be, you know, $500 a month mortgage. Mm-hmm. And that slides right into that $120,000 price range. And we've been seeing too, we work with a few investors who are looking for that, that flipper home. They need to have something to tinker with. So we help them find a home and they have something to tinker with. They do that, those next phases for that next family who need to have that already done for them. So it kind of feeds everybody just a little bit to what their needs are. The, uh, the other part that we really try to do with our buyers is an education component about what you're going to get for your price. Even if someone's purchased a house five years ago, it doesn't seem like that long, but overall home prices have soared. They've gone up in the past five years, you know, that $60,000 house. Well, now it's a hundred thousand. So preparing expectations of buyers looking into that. I mean, it's a little disheartening, especially people who have purchased two or three houses already. And they're like, Oh my goodness, we just, our money doesn't go as far as it used to. So we, I think we like having that conversation with people and um, really showing them in a matter of fact way that this is where we're at and it's probably not going to change. You know, housing prices just don't go down. It's a good solid asset. It's built for a long time. And even the land it's built on is always going to be worth something. Well, we also have the flip side to that is, you know, I don't remember going through all of these documents the last time I bought a home. You know, we occasionally hear the whole entire, well, I just stood on the street corner, we shook the hand and we went to the bank, they gave me the money and, you know, it was all good. Now things are just a little bit more detailed and a little bit more technical than we just shook a hand and we're going from there. So we get a little bit of of that mix too of, okay, I don't remember this when I bought my home. I'm like, okay, so how long ago was that? It was 30 years ago. Yep. Things have changed. And interest rates back then were 12% and now we're at two. Right. And now, you know, we've got everything. We're signing things online and they're like, so how do I do this? And they're sitting right next to us in the office and they're on their phone and they're trying to sign documents online. And it it turns out to be a a quite an, an interesting conversation of, Okay, back in my day, this is how we did it. I'm like, well, it's how we do it in my day. Well, and we just wrote an offer. And when someone signs electronically, we get notified through our, you know, apps and email processes. And oh my goodness, just one person signing for one house and the notifications just off the hook. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many documents was that? Seven, eight documents? Eight documents that, that we they, go through. That they had needed to sign. So... And then we multiply that by, you know, the husband and wife. And sometimes it's a little bit of a game to see who can sign first to who can complete everything first. And it's very interesting when we get that couple going, because we'll explain everything. And it's like, okay, well, I want to make sure that I sign first, because that way we're just waiting on him and he won't be waiting on me. So it turns into a little bit of a race to see who signs it. And it definitely, before you sign it, we do call you, we do talk through all the documents before you sign it. So that way you do know what you are signing. We just don't hand you documents and just say, here, just sign them for me. We walk you through them. So that way you know what you're signing. I think that's always been a problem. And I'm doing air quotes right now, problem of, uh, you know, what, what's a good best practice. You know, you don't just hand over a, a pile of documents and say, go ahead, sign trust me, just, just sign it. Go just sign it. My children always said that to me and you know, they would first day of school, all the teachers hand, you know, all the kids, well, here's a permission slip for this. And we need this sign from your parents. And you know, they come home with a stack of like 15 papers. Surprise. You're going to France. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we need these things signed and we need to turn them in. It's a homework assignment. And so, you know, like a parent that I am, I'm like, okay, well, 
hand me a pen and I start signing stuff. And I'm like, what is this for? He's like, oh, something for science. I'm like, okay, cool. What is this one for? Oh, something for English. I'm like, okay, did the teacher at least explain this to you? They're like, yeah, we think so. Didn't know I was signing that the kids had their freedom of their lunch hour so they can kind of come and go. I gave them permission to come and go from the school as they pleased. I'm like, when did this happen? They're like, well, remember that stack of documents that I had you sign, mom? It was in there, but thank you. Good job, mom. Yep. Yeah. There wasn't quite as much of that once I got into the picture and started realizing this was going on because that's something I did to my mom. I think every kid does it. And I think every parent, you know, everyone's like, well, when I have kids, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read all these papers. Well, when you got two kids with, you know, stacks of papers that, you know, they're going to come home. You know that there's going to be some signing going on. You just want to get the day over with. So you just do, you grab the pen and you just start signing. But for legal documents, for offers, we definitely go through it. We make sure that you understand what you're signing. And that way, if we missed something, we're going through that with you. And if something doesn't sound right, we can stop. We can explain it. That way you're understanding. And we still go through it. So even if we have a buyer who's writing offers on multiple houses, which is commonplace now, um, every offer we still run through and at least catch the high points of, you know, we understand we've talked about the whole contract in detail. But now for this next contract that we're writing up, these are the differences you know, these are the choices that we can fill in the blanks with and mm-hmm. and elect and maybe some additional language if it's needed for this new thing and explaining those differences. Because, I mean, you, you go through the whole deal once and you kind of understand what you're getting into. So now you just need the updates of each individual property. Right. And when it comes to those those down payments, when it comes to the financing part, you know, we made on the first house may only need to do a 3% down because the purchase price is, is higher than maybe the third offer. And the third offer, you can do a 5% down. So always double checking to see, you know, what you are doing for that down payment. If you're like, hey, I have X amount for the down payment. So whatever that comes out to is what I'm putting down. This is all I have. That usually helps too. So we always double check with those down payments just to make sure that we've got that part correct. And again, that can always change later on if it needs to. So, you know, you may only want to do 3% on the offer, but really you have the 5% and your lender does the, yeah, let's do the full 5% down. You know, having those conversations is always very helpful. Well, and once you as a buyer have really been into a relationship with your lender and we've been writing a couple offers, now it's a at least weeks, if not a month or two down the line. I mean, some buyers we've worked with for years, but keeping that relationship updated with your lender and where are you at? And maybe you've accumulated some more liquid funds to put towards this project. You know, maybe someone had gifted you over the holidays some money because they know that you're going to be looking at houses and that can all be adjusted. And also maybe you are in a different place with your credit so that you can get a better interest rate. Or our loan type might change. So on this Mm -hmm. house, an FHA loan would be better than doing a conventional or vice versa. It all depends upon the house and the situation. So really having those conversations is always very beneficial. And that way we can go through it. You know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. And two, we can always reach out to the lender, even late at night, even this late at night. We can call the lender and just do the, okay, look, we're writing this offer. You know, are we still good to go with this loan? Well, and pre-approvals and pre-qualification letters, um, they do have an expiration date on them. They're Mm -hmm. usually good between 60 and 90 days, depending on who you're writing it with. And then they need to reevaluate it because everything changes in a month or two. Right. So they may not be able to offer you the same products that they did just because of how everything in the economy is, you know, interest rates increase even just a little bit. They can't guarantee that 2.8%. Now they have to bump it up a little bit, but they can do a re-guarantee at whatever it is now mm-hmm. as a, for instance. All right. So do we have a little bit of the styled blog? Because we do have the Cobalt Banker Seward 
special event to talk about yet too. So I want to make sure we get all of your stuff in and we leave enough time so that we can talk about the really cool event that Cola Banker Seward is doing this well, coming up weekend. Okay. These two things are not connected, however. Okay. So it's going to be tough to do a segue. All right, but that's okay. But let's talk about the National Association of Realtors styled, staged, and sold blog. This week is from, again, Melissa Dittman Tracy. She has some good staging She does. She does. And her name is pretty fun to say. So hot home trend, lights that make a bold statement. Okay. Okay, lights. So we're talking about... Okay, I have a bottle of water in my way. Chandeliers. 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 Okay, chandeliers go okay. with me. All right. Do you, do you like chandeliers? Carrie, what do you think about chandeliers? Okay, so depending on the type of ceiling, they are pretty cool. We, however, do not have the ceiling to have a chandelier. Now, if we had like the cathedral ceiling, then yes, definitely you need to have a nice, big, bold chandelier statement. Now, Two other things that are mentioned in the blog is styling the chandelier to a decor that's going to be on the property. So, so that way we have the deer antler chandelier not clashing with the white marble flooring. Exactly. You probably wouldn't put the deer antler chandelier in your colonial or Victorian. Right. We want that in the cabin. Probably, yes. Okay. Now, the caveat to that is in your large Victorian home with the huge vaulted cathedral-type ceilings, which is all fancy and whatnot, if you have the den or the library where it's full of wood and other mounted things, then maybe that would work. It'd be close. It would be close. I would think more of the whole entire wrought iron. I'm a very big wrought iron fan, so that's what I like. I can see doing that. Definitely. And and that does create sometimes a modern touch. So you can coordinate modern fixtures like that in your 130-year-old Victorian or something. Mm-hmm. So mixing those styles could be a good thing. So another thing that's mentioned in the blog is placement. So placing a chandelier is important. You wouldn't want something that's not just free hanging without being anchored in the space some way. Right. So anchoring in the space would be like over a table, um, even in an entryway and a grand open entryway with maybe your grand staircase up to the second floor. And we're talking big house here. Right. But having an entryway table underneath or at least a, like a small circular rug that would anchor the reason for having the chandelier up above. Okay. Um, we see this in a smaller scale, kind of in kitchens and dining rooms in the majority of houses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so having the... The big sh- the, the chandelier over the top of the table. Over, over the, the dining, dining room, room table. table. Right. Or, if you have the space for it, hang the chandelier over a buffet. Say you have just a, a great room type of space. Mm-hmm. It's popular. We've talked about in the open concept houses now and trying to divide different spaces up. So having a hanging element as a chandelier over a floor setting element, such as a buffet can, you know, really help moderate the dining space from the living room and, and such, even though they're all without walls. Right. Um, another area that they suggest doing chandeliers is in the kitchen. So I maybe, know you're very big on the whole interpendence. I keep hearing you you always mention, well, we should do a pendant here and we should do a pendant there. And I'm not sure if that works for our our house. Well, see, there there's a couple of reasons why I suggest that for a lot of different cases is because a slim hanging pendant, you can get in a ton of different styles. They're usually relatively inexpensive. I mean, for a large chandelier that's four foot crossed, you're going to spend a lot of money for that. You know, Very true. Drop $800 to $8,000 on a chandelier, but pendants can be $30. And then you can change up your style by just swapping out the shades on those fixtures. You know, it, it 
it's flexible and how high they are above your countertop or the table. So if you needed to have more of an open eyesight situation, you know, like over an an island or a peninsula in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can adjust the height of your pendant. They're very flexible. Okay. So that's, that's why I suggest it. And this goes into a whole nother talk about the differences between task lighting versus general and ambient lighting and, and all that jazz. So Yes, you, you are very keen on what type of lighting we have. Because it's good for eye strain, eye health, and also kind of mood as well. And actually I found, so I, I, I've been delving into workspaces and desks, you know, with our whole closet office fiasco that we've been talking about. One of it is accessory lighting. So the lighting for your desks can be, you know, mounted on top of your monitor, or they can be one of these springy boom arm things that looks like you'd find in a doctor's office, which mm-hmm. I know you love being sarcastic. Kind of the uh, the Pixar lamp. Yep, the Pixar know. lamp. I mean, those are appropriate in, in certain places. Um, and then general lighting, which should be mounted maybe overhead, and then two things to go with all those different lighting aspects are where do you place it so that it's not glaring in your face, but not casting shadows in the wrong parts or catching your glasses weirdly. Cause you know, I'm a bald guy. And so I get ca- shadows cast in different places than people with hairdo. Very true. And then color temperature as well. Some lights are more blue. Some lights are more amber in color and those can affect a lot of different things as far as eye strain and time of day to mood and all that different stuff. So yeah, it's lighting is really, really dynamic. It is. And it, it's really, it's different with us. So you like your, your lighting a particular way and I like it in B particular way. And they're complete polar opposites of each other. So that's always been, been interesting to figure out how to light up a room. So when I'm trying to work on a craft project in the living room and we have the 40 watt light bulb lighting the room and it's not enough light, it's straining to try to do the craft project where I need to have the 100 watt light bulb. Right. And Mm -hmm. I need a couple of them. So being able to adapt and just just adjust to that so that way it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to be doing this project... It's just going to have to be in a completely different room because I cannot work and I cannot do this project in the lighting in this partic- in the living room or in the kitchen because I require more light than what you like to have when you're just sitting back and relaxing. Yep, exactly. I like the high mm-hmm. noon, like lots of sun, bring on the light and you're more the whole entire, I just want it nice and slightly mellow in here and we'll have the amber lighting, which brings on different things. Right. And at the same time, I completely agree because when I'm working, I enjoy a brightly lit space so that I can see what I'm doing and I'm not straining my eyes, like you said. That's why like out in our workshop garage, Mm -hmm. um, there's, I counted up one time, like 90,000 lumen or excuse me. Yeah. 90,000 lumens of work it Light is very bright, in, which in is, space. you know, very different from what our living room is. I think our living room, I think we finally went up to a 60 watt light bulb in the little lamp that's but, on the bookshelf. But different spaces for different purposes. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But when I'm trying to do the the craft project in the living room, you know, the kitchen is even like my favorite place because again, need lots of lighting, going to need the brighter lights in there. I'm really not a fan of a dimmer switch. I want to be able to see what I'm eating. See what you're eating and see what you're cooking with and what your knife is going to cut into. It's important to know what the knife is going to cut into. Because it does not know the difference mm -hmm. between food and finger. Okay, so the last thing with the chandelier discussion. Okay. Chandeliers in the bedroom. A lot of people like having ceiling fans. Mm -hmm. But if you have a high enough ceiling, maybe a chandelier would be another option, especially if you don't need the ceiling fan to circulate air. 
and just a kind of standard, everybody's got the globe fixture, half, yeah, mo- yeah, the, the, half. the half moon sort of thing mounted to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Why not bring it down a little bit and put in a chandelier? And again, it's got to be make sure that it's not your tall people are not going to hit their heads on this fan. Make sure your height is correct. Right. Now, whatever chandelier you purchase, that could be a really quick thing. With, and, and you don't have to spend a lot of money on chandeliers. But when you're staging your house for sale, putting in different light fixtures can really change the look of the house and the feel of the house mm-hmm. to something that was, you know, sort of aged and coming to the end of its life to now it's new, it's more modern light fixtures, and maybe they all match now where they may not have before. Well, it's hard to remember what you bought. So, you know, you go, Well, and, I am and, I am very good at this. Of, I'm going to buy the, the, the faucet for the tub and shower, and I really like this design. And then six months later, I've got to go and get the toilet paper holder, which I now like this one, which I can't remember if that matches the shower. And then six months later, we go and buy the light. And then we do the, is it this shade? Is this brush the nickel or is it the, you know, which one is it? And is it a round bar or a square bar? Yeah. And we just, next thing you know, we have everything mismatching. Sometimes it works to have that kind of kleptic look, but sometimes it really does not work at all. As a standard piece of advice, don't try to do that unless you really have a keen eye for what works when you do it. Or remember to take pictures before you leave the house. Ooh, so that yeah. way you have, it's like, okay, we're going to go look for the bathroom, you know, light. What is the faucet looks like? What does the toilet paper holder look like? What does the shower? That way you can kind of get an idea of, okay, yep, we do have the brass, you know, the brush nickel, you know, that way they match a little bit more. Well, and I think that the biggest thing with light fixtures is people don't usually replace all of their lights at once. They replace what's broken mm-hmm. because what, you know, swap out a bulb and you're okay and it works and it gives off light. So why would I need to start replacing all the fixtures just so that it looks different right? until they're broken? So light fixtures, quick and easy, can really spruce up a home and, um, Give a whole new feel for maybe not, not a lot of money. Right. Excellent. So what else does Coldwell Banker have going on? You're really excited. I know. I'm super excited about this. So we are doing a Guiding You Home event. So all of our agents in the office is going to be doing a come meet me, come meet the agent. So we have Barb, who is going to be over at Hawaiian Tanning. We have Carolyn Saylor. She is going to be over at Rapids Rehab. We are going to be having Ginger Kosmoski. She's going to be at the office. I'm trying to go around the office to make sure I don't forget anybody. And then we have myself. We are going to be over on 21st Avenue with a piece of vacant land. Are Barb and Jackie together over at the tanning place? That is. At this particular point, I really do not know. There was a little bit of a conflict in in scheduling. So as far as I know, I know Barb is going to be there. I'm not sure if Jackie's going to be joining Barb over there or if Jackie's going to be doing a new location. So kind of news to come on on that a little bit later on in the week. So once we kind of get that scheduling figured out is where we're going to know where Jackie's going to be. Excellent. So we'll be at a piece of vacant land mm-hmm. because building is popular and it's hard to find a house. So maybe look at building. Right. So we're going to be over on 21st Avenue. So it's going to be a come meet, come meet the agents. So we're going to have some raffles. So we're putting together a raffle basket. So come and visit each one of us. So every single place that you stop off at, you get to put your name in the drawing. So you visit all four of us. I think there's four of us. But if there's four of us, you visit all four, you get four, you get four chances to win the raffle basket. So it's going to be a great opportunity to come meet everyone who works for Coldwell Banker Seward and to also take a look at some of our small businesses that we have in the area, which is going to be huge. So we're going to be doing that on April 23rd. I'm going to double check with my calendar. 
it, it's uh, close to the weekend. So it is th- close there you to go. the weekend. You know, I, I'm, I'm picking, I did it the wrong, I typed up everything uh, for the agents and I put the wrong month and wrong date on it. I mean, I totally, totally messed it up. But then again, I was typing it at one o'clock in the morning. So the event is going to be, so the guiding you home is going to be Friday, April 23rd from two until 5 p.m. So that way, if you got a little bit of a lunch break in there, can come come out, check us out, see what we're doing. We're going to be at the vacant land. So we're probably going to stay just a little bit later just to catch some of those people afterwards. But from two until five o'clock, come on out, check us out, come see where we're at. And it's going to be really a great opportunity to talk to us about the market. Bring us your concerns. Bring us your questions. If you have questions about listing, this is a perfect place to come in and ask those questions for us. Like we talked about with Angel, when we're doing like a business after hours and it's a time where you can be less intimidated about approaching a business that you might not you know, know about or you were curious a little bit, but had no reason to you know, actually go to the business. This is, an, this is our own version kind of like that where you can you know, come in a non-threatening environment if, you know, okay, maybe that's not, we don't want to be threatening at all, but, you know, it's a, a non-confrontational, yeah. you know, and it's, it's non-confrontational. Come in, if your whole entire goal is just to come in and just say hi and sign up for, for the raffle, great. You want to talk to us about buying, if you have a question of, okay, well, where do I go for a lender? All of us agents are going to have a list of lenders there for you to to take home. So we're going to have the information about the market, what is going on in the different price ranges. That way you can walk away with a little bit of information of, you know what, maybe mom is getting a little bit older now. We need to start thinking about how are we going to put her in an assisted living situation? What do we do with the home? We're going to be there. Ask us those questions. We can help you out. We can help sort some of those those questions out. And if we need an estate planning, we know people who do these, who can plan the estates. We can hook you up with the lawyer who you need to talk to. So we're going to be there for a great resource. So that way, bring us your questions. Come meet us. May not know who Barb or who Carolyn is or who Ginger is, or you may not even know who I am and you want to see what I really look like. Come on out to the piece of vacant land. Come out and see us. You're just that magical voice on the radio every it is. week. And we're going to have snacks at our location. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have snacks. So I'm going to do some shopping. Going to hint out there that we're going to have the Scooby snacks. It is my favorite snack. So we're going to have some Scooby snacks. And come on out and, and take a look at it. We can go walk some vacant land and kind of talk about builders and what building has to offer for you. Again, it's an, it's an opportunity to, to meet us and to talk about the market of is building a better option for you or is buying something pre-existing. See, now I, I can make connections between us doing the agent thing with the uh, sell your house sort of uh, thought process and these other businesses as well, because, okay, you're, you're going over to see Barb at the tanning place, right? Wh- right. Which one is that? Hawaiian tanning. Hawaiian tanning. So that's over by Ruby Reds. So you're thinking maybe I should go and get a tan so that I can head down to Florida and find my dream home on the beach, you know, get a condo that overlooks the ocean. Mm -hmm. But then I don't need a house here in Wisconsin. So how would that work for me to sell up here and buy down there? And even though... Our license only covers the state of Wisconsin. Well, guess what? We have realtor friends down in Florida too. Exactly. We do have a very large global network of agents. So the how we treat you here in Wisconsin Rapids is going to be the same as down in Florida. So you can go down to Tampa. We can hook you up with the Coal Banker office down in Tampa, and they'll take care of you just like we do here. Yep. Um, I've had some contact with Damon Viteri down there in Fort Myers. Yeah. So real friendly people down there too. Or, you know, you go over and see Carolyn over at Rapids Rehab because, well, maybe you need some assisted living devices, you know, uh, to make the staying at home for another year or two and age in place 
more of a, a better environment. Right. And, you know, during that year that you are aging in place, Carolyn can help you out as far as getting the estate ready to go for for sale. So we can start working with with you and the family of, okay, these are the family heirlooms. This is who we need to send it to. Now we need a clean out person. Who do we have for that? We can help you with that aspect of it. We can help you throughout that whole entire process. And then Ginger is going to be at our office and she can go over what we have to provide. You know, if you're curious about where our office is and the facilities and some of the technology that we have behind the scenes, we can really show that off. And yes. Yeah, Friday will be a good day for that. Friday is going to be an, an excellent day for that. I'm hoping the weather is going to be beautiful. It's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And come on out, come visit all of us, and we can talk a little talk a little real estate or talk about your puppies. We always like hearing about the puppies. You know, it's not just people; it's also about pets. It is. It's about the pets. Maybe we can find you a home that comes with something like chickens or a hobby farm. You know, they're we out could. there. We, they're we, out we've, there. We've sold some properties with some interesting additions. Yeah, we've we've sold a home <laughs> in Nakusa and they left the chickens. So we can find you the home and we can help you find the chickens too. So as we wrap up here for our second hour, if you do have questions or comments, anything of interest, go ahead, send us an email, myrapidsradio at gmail.com. You can look at our inventory over at MyRapids.com. You can check out our social media. So we've got the YouTube, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. I'm trying my best to do more on Instagram because it's it's really fast-paced and you got to keep up with it. Facebook has a little bit more dwell time so we can post something and you can come back to it or it'll pop up later, you know, on your feed. And YouTube is really searchable. It so is. That's one of the the cool ways that you can keep track of all of our podcasts because we populate those on YouTube as well. And also the videos for houses that are coming on market that we have individually listed for sale. Mm-hmm. So, and how can they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me by a simple text uh, to 715-323-2577. I look forward to hearing from all of you and I hope to see you guys on Friday. You guys have a great Central Wisconsin day. Bye-bye.